with your girl Tasha, the host of Womanhood Decoded, where each week we endeavor to explore the intersections of womanhood, motherhood, and sexuality. This week, we are taking a deep dive into sexuality, but from the perspective of the fertility awareness method. This week, I have an amazing guest, and her name is Vienna Farrell, and she is a holistic reproductive health practitioner. She is also a fertility awareness educator and the founder of the Consultant, your vagina's consultant. She's completed her fertility awareness training at Justice College and is a member of the Association of Fertility Awareness Professionals. Her work is focusing on demystifying the female body and teaching women and people with vaginas ways to connect with their bodies. Welcome to the show, Vienna. Thank you so much for having me, Tasha. I'm so excited to talk about all this with you. Yay! So let's dive right on in to how did you even come up with the consultant? I love that name. And you said it perfectly because a lot of people get really shy about it, but you really, you said it exactly how it should be said. That is the cunt sultant. Um, so I, it's really just a joke. I mean, honestly, that's all it is. Um, I thought it was funny and that's why I did it. But, you know, I started, when I started all of this work, I initially was like, oh, I want to work in menstruation. I want to like teach people about their periods, but how do I want to do it? And what am I going to be? And what am I going to do? And I like coming up with names for things. And I was like, I want to be a menstruation consultant. I want to like, consult people on their periods. And then it just turned into the cunt sultant. Because I was like, if I can get a pun in there, you should always take a pun if you can. Um, so yeah, I'm a vagina consultant. And technically, the degree I have is as a holistic reproductive health practitioner. Um, but it's really just all things that are around and adjacent to the vagina. So that is both like literally as in, you know, the reproductive organs and the reproductive system and then figuratively as in like the people who have them um, and or just like what society thinks about them. So it's a very broad term to just talk about my favorite subject. That is amazing. And it's so cool. Honestly, I'm just so happy that when we cross paths um, on social media, I actually got to meet you in real life when I was pregnant. And um, there was actually a pop up shop that I met you at as far as in real life, because we had been interacting in social media. So to go from that to you actually being on my podcast, I feel like it's kind of like a full circle. It's so awesome. Yeah, it was so fun to meet you. And uh, I mean, it's really great to always make like good connections on Instagram. So I love that about us. And then it was so fun to meet you. And I was in Brooklyn for um, a sex ed event, basically. And yeah, you happened to be free and you came by and it was so great to like get to see you in person. And you met my mom. Yeah, she is so cool. (laughs) She is. (laughs) So my next question is, if you would give people an idea of what fertility awareness is as far as an umbrella term, I feel like that's a great place to start. Sure. Yeah. So fertility awareness or fertility awareness based methods are used to for a lot of people to either get pregnant or to avoid getting pregnant. Those are kind of the main two uses. Um, They are. Yeah, it's a very broad term. Similar to fertility awareness is also natural family planning. So some people might be more familiar with that term. 
Um, Uh The fact is, though, they're all looking at kind of the same thing. So fertility awareness is looking at the body's natural biomarkers that indicate when you are and are not fertile throughout your menstrual cycle. Um, Uh So there are certain times where we are able to get pregnant and there are certain times where we are not. And actually, most of the time, you're not able to get pregnant in any given menstrual cycle. Um, So fertility awareness it depends on the method, um, but the method I teach is called the Justice method, and it's a symptothermal meth- method. So that means we're looking at cervical mucus production, um, which is like what people will call like discharge, but it's uh-huh. and it's not related to infection. It's just like a normal thing that happens in your body. And then additionally, basal body temperature. And your basal body temperature is your temperature first thing in the morning um, before you like get up and start moving around. So like that baseline body temperature. Um, those are the main two signs we look at. You can also check your the position of your cervix throughout your cycle. But those two signs will give you a really good like um, amount of information to understand your fertility throughout a given cycle. Um, the difference between natural family planning and fertility awareness is really one of ideology. So natural family planning tends to be religious based, uh-huh. whereas fertility awareness tends to be secular. And so the method that I teach is secular as well. Okay, so when we are thinking about the fertility awareness method, one thing that I often get as a question, being that I also teach um, a symptothermal method as well, is, well, how many months do you suggest that someone basically tracks their cycle before they rely on it as their main source or use for preventing pregnancy? It's a really good question. Um, And I think it it does vary person by person. So if you have real clear textbook menstrual cycles, like you've never been on hormonal birth control, you don't have any kind of underlying endocrine issue or any other kind of health concern, or, you know, just full stop, you have really clear cycles. So you have a a really regular, you don't have to to be regular in the way of like having always the same length menstrual cycle, but just having really clear, easy to re-sign. So your, your cervical mucus comes on, it's super clear, it goes away, that's all super clear. If you have a real healthy menstrual cycle, I would say like, you know, probably like four cycles, you'll probably be very confident. Um, now that being said, most of us don't have healthy menstrual cycles and that's for a variety of reasons. Um, that can be due to, again, like um, coming off hormonal birth control is usually makes your cycle real weird, um, depending on your age. Um, if you're in your like late 30s or 40s, you're in your hopefully more in your 40s, you're going through perimenopause. That can make things challenging to understand. Initially, it's not impossible. It's just a little bit harder. Um, if you're breastfeeding, if you have a thyroid condition, if you have... Um, PCOS, if you don't ovulate regularly, all these things, if you're super stressed out, if you're not eating enough, all these different things can make our cycles unhealthy. And if that's the case, um, it, it'll, you can 100% still use fertility awareness, but I would say you're probably looking at more of like a, uh, probably like six months or six cycles or 12 cycles or so to really gain confidence in the method. And again, it, it's it's a hard question to answer because I think it really depends on each person. And even all the things that I just outlined, you might have super clear cycles regardless. So it really comes down to individual um, 
how well you understand your menstrual cycle and how much time you're willing to devote to it, like how dedicated you are to the practice will really help, like will really determine how quickly you feel confident in using it for contraception. That is a very excellent way of laying that out. I think also you also touched on the fact that learning this particular uh, skill is a skill set in and of itself. And I find that it has been useful in application in other ways outside of using it just for a preventative method when it comes to avoiding pregnancy. In your practice with your clients, have you noticed that people have um, noted other benefits outside of using it for just um, contraception in their relationships or in their dynamics where they utilize um, fertility awareness? Oh, absolutely. I actually like to say that the contraception or the conception, whatever you're going for, is just the side benefit. Because the true thing that you're learning is you're learning how to read your own body, how to understand your menstrual cycle, how to understand yourself in a deeper and different way. Um, you know, there's the term body literacy, which I believe is attributed to Tony Weschler. Um, and this idea of like reading your body, right? Like understanding how your cycles work and what that means. And a lot of people always, you know, generally people come in with a goal and their goal is I don't want to get pregnant or I do want to get pregnant. And you kind of hyper focus on that. But charting can be a lifelong practice. It can be something that can give you insight into your overall health month by month, cycle by cycle, and year by year. And that can be really invaluable information as we age. So we can understand how our menstrual cycles change throughout our lifetimes. That can alert us to like know if things are going well for us or if something needs um, to be addressed. Your menstrual cycle is the fifth vital sign of your body. It is a great indicator of your health. If there's something off with your menstrual cycle, there is definitely something else off in your body, then it just becomes, you know, figuring out what that might be. So I think the health aspect is really rather underrated just because it's like, it's, it's a longer term thing, but I think it's one of the most important parts. Um, And just getting to understand your cycle in that deeper way, because usually you know, as we all know, we call it the curse, right? You call getting your baby. It's something that we all are taught to dread or hate and not even have to be taught. In a lot of cases, people have really painful menstrual cycles, really painful periods, really problematic things going on. If you're struggling with infertility, like all these, there's all these reasons that we're given to hate it. And it's understandable why people do, but it is a vital part of your body's function. And it's a, it can be a vital part of who you are. We are our hormones, right? So how our hormones unfold helps us understand ourselves a little bit better. And I'd say because it's been such a vilified part of having a female body and noting that like not everyone who identifies as a woman has a menstrual cycle and not everyone who, you know, vice versa, um, regardless, like historically thinking about it in that way, um, I think it's really valuable to become friends with it or at least like come to understand it and have compassion for it and have compassion for yourself. So I think there is something about just like knowing that essence of ourselves is so important and has been so like easily dismissed by our culture, not honored, not seen as important, seen as only something that you need if you're trying to have a baby. And the fact is like 
your cycle is happening every day to you. It's not just your period. It's not just ovulation. It's unfolding every single day. Your hormones are different. And that makes you a little bit different every day. And it's just another way to get to know yourself that is an intimate relationship with your own body. Absolutely. I feel like we started doing um, this conversation with a laser focus. So I want to kind of widen the angle a little bit. And I want to talk about how birth control is kind of perceived in America, if we could a little bit, especially as it pertains to hormonal birth control, because oftentimes in the space of fertility awareness, um, there is a myth that people that practice fertility awareness are um, vehemently against um, hormonal birth control. And I wanted to address that and wanted to know what are your thoughts on hormonal birth control and then just the idea of medicating yourself as a woman um, for the entire month when in fact we are only able to get pregnant at a very short and a specific amount of time. Yeah, it's a great, it's a, it's a big topic. Um, <laughs> but no, I, I fully support all kinds of, um, all kinds of birth control methods. I think they all have a place. Um, where my biggest gripe comes with is that specifically with the hormonal methods, um, they can have all kinds of wide ranging health impacts and effects side effects, if you will, um, that can really cause a lot of harm to your quality of life, including your mental health, your physical health, um, all kinds of different things. And that is not as widely discussed or, you know, like discussed or disclosed to people when they go on something like the pill. That's my main mm -hmm. issue with it. I think that there's all kinds like you know, of course, like the history of the pill, the history of synthetic methods are, or synthetic hormonal methods is because we didn't have highly reliable birth control back in the day, right? Mm -hmm. And we also didn't have full bodily autonomy when it came to when and if we had sex, especially, you know, as women, as people with uteruses and vaginas. And that's not the case, you know, unfortunately, in many cases, people still don't have that full consent or full bodily autonomy. Um, it is, I think, hopefully better in many cases now. Um, but there's definitely a world and a reality in which 24-7 birth control is useful, right? Like if you don't, if you're in a position where, um, you know, again, like you don't, you don't, maybe you don't want to think about it, right? Maybe you just want to like set it and forget it um, when it comes to reproduction or when it comes to, you know, what your life is like. There's, there's a, there's, I think there's always space for like a 24 seven method. And then there's space for user dependent methods and methods that you only use during fertile times. Um, the problem is that we don't really talk about what the side effects are um, when it comes to hormonal birth control. And then when we do talk about them, they are often dismissed. And I think a lot of people are aware of like the fact that if you go on the pill, usually, you know, using the pill is kind of a catch all. Um, it might cause you to gain weight and you might lose your sex drive. I feel like those are pretty well known, <laughs> which is like really counterproductive, right? Like if you're going on something to like for contraception, it's usually so you can have more sex, um, right. different kinds of sex. And it's like destroys your sex drive, but that's very common. 
Um, other less well-known but equally common side effects are depression, anxiety. Um, there was like a huge study done in Sweden a few years ago that showed a clear link between depression and hormonal birth control. That's a big deal. <laughs> um, it can also do things like it's no, the pill is known to um, de deplete you of certain minerals, including folate. Um, it's known to shrink the size of your clitoris. It's known to shrink the size of your ovaries. Um, some of these things you can definitely recover from. So it's not like, oh my God, I went on the pill and now I'll never be able to have a baby. Like that's not true. Um, but it can have like deep ranging effects that last many years after you go off of hormonal birth control. It can impact your thyroid. It can do all these things. Um, and I don't think that is talked about enough. And then when people do bring up their concerns with, their birth control, like they feel shitty or they feel foggy or um, they keep getting in these like wild fights with their partners or whatever. It's often dismissed as, oh, you'll just get used to it. Or it's like you bleed every single day for three months when you get an IUD placed and your doctor's like, your body will adjust over time, deal with it. And I don't think that's a good enough response. That's all. Right. Better options. And if you don't like it, if you don't like your contraception, you should change it. I think you should feel empowered to do so and figure out what your options are. And your birth control, your contraception should make your sex life better. And if it's not making your sex life better, I think you need to re-examine your options. Absolutely. So, so when, it, when it comes to informed consent, um, do you feel like that's something that is sort of kind of by the wayside when it comes to um, how birth control is prescribed in America? Well, I'm not a doctor and I'm not part of the prescribing conversation. So I don't mm -hmm. really know what's always happening. I do know when I went on the pill when I was younger, it really was not presented to me in any, it wasn't seen as like a big deal. I don't think I was given much information. I feel like there was a brief conversation about blood clots, but I was like 18 and not a smoker. So no one really seemed to care. Um, but yeah, the, what I've come to learn later on is, you know, all these side effects, I don't think they're often discussed and I know I would discuss it with my friends, but I, I don't know if people are getting like a full, you know, rundown by their doctor of like all the things that could possibly happen when you go on the pill. And I don't know why that is. I think in some cases it could be ignorance on the provider's part. It could be a lack of time in order to explain these things. And then I think there's also a lot of fear about people getting pregnant and, you know, who, you know, the wrong people getting pregnant and, you know, your provider perhaps making a judgment call on like how, what they think would be best for you versus what you actually want. Um, and so I, I don't know, it's, it's hard to say, right? I, again, not a doctor, uh -huh. but I don't think based on the conversations that you, I end up having with people coming off the pill they don't know these things. And I only know them because, you know, I went through a very rigorous training program to learn more about it. Um, so I, th I do think there is an informed consent issue, but I don't really know why exactly, or if it's happening all the time. That makes a lot of sense. And that's really good that you shared um, from your personal experience, but also gave um, information that I feel we can all relate to because in my particular situation, I went and I complained about my birth control 
um, for years. And all they would do is switch me to another type of birth control because, you know, clearly I need to be on birth control because I'm a teenager. And because I have period problems, we're not going to um, do any kind of investigation as to what my period problems are. Because you said earlier that um, the period or your cycle is like the fifth vital sign. And so if something is wrong with your cycle, it's kind of like an alarm. And when you are on hormonal birth control, basically you're putting the alarm on mute. You're not necessarily fixing the problem. You're just silencing the problem. And I think that is another thing that, um, or another reason why for me, this topic is so close to my heart. So if you don't mind, if you would tell us a little bit of your reason why, as far as um, you mentioned your rigorous training um, into the justice method, how did you decide on studying that particular method? And can you tell us a little bit about what that process was as far as your education into fertility awareness? For sure. I, d- I think I just want to also add to what I, what you just said is it's a whole different conversation around hormonal birth control when it becomes beyond just the birth control conversation, right? And mm-hmm. the, you know, the pill is prescribed for all kinds of menstrual cycle ailments, right? So I that's something maybe we'll come back to later. But this idea of like, it's really, you know, it's been talked about as just like the prescription for being a woman or the prescription for like having a period. And there's very little done often to like dive into why you have painful periods or why your periods are irregular, or why you're not ovulating. It's just given as like, we'll take this thing, it will fix it. And that is patently false. When we're talking about it for contraception, I think it's like a different, it's definitely a different conversation versus like hormonal birth control. The pill solves whatever ails your menstrual cycle. And that is not true. It doesn't do anything really useful in that way. And in many cases, it can actually make it worse. Um, but that can be a different Yeah. In my um, case, it did. And I, I, I was on it from the time I began my cycle because um, my mom, she took me to the OBGYN um, when I started my cycle. And in our family, we have a history of all types of period problems. And so the way that she had dealt with her period problems was to be on birth control. So when I um, presented with, you know, awful cramps and excessive bleeding, it was, well, you need to be on birth control, just like I'm on birth control. Even though at the time being sexually active wasn't even something on my radar, But, you know, that's a topic for another conversation, you know, but um, it's just interesting how basically because of her lack of um, resources as far as knowing about fertility awareness or even knowing to maybe take me to a a nutritionist or a naturopathic doctor who could have gotten to the root causes because basically um, my problems with my cycle were traced to a hormonal imbalance. Mm -hmm. And um, in addition to that, I also am extremely anemic. And so those two things together end up um, presenting as um, Anna, um, Anna, Anna Maria, I think is how you say it, which is basically 
really heavy periods and then very painful um mineraja is the other one mineria mineraja and so um yeah i have both of those and so i go through the most <laughs> so in general you know i wouldn't necessarily be the ideal candidate for fertility awareness um, I was told, but um, when I worked with my nutritionist and my naturopathic doctor, um, I found a pathway to fertility awareness. So I basically just want to give hope to people that just because your cycle might not fit into the quote unquote norm, that doesn't mean that you can't work towards getting your cycle to a place where you can then practice fertility awareness. Absolutely. And uh, I think you like you just outlined like all kinds of like really great points. There's so much in there. Um, but also to say, you know, if you go on the pill because you're in a great deal of pain, that's super understandable. And like definitely one of the first things that is offered to you if you go to the OBGYN and not to say that like that, that might be the coping mechanism that you need and no you know judgment there. But I would definitely encourage people, like you've also said, like to dive into it a little deeper and kind of understand what could be perhaps you're severely anemic. If you're severely anemic, you should address that. Right. Um, right. And not just like be like, well, I stopped stopped having that problem because I went on the pill because I'm no longer ovulating. So I don't have these symptoms anymore. Um, and they'll come back. Right. If you go off the pill and you stop having that suppressive function, the issues aren't going to go anywhere. It doesn't actually heal anything. Um, but yeah, the other thing that you said too, and depending, and then I can talk about justice, but depending on the method, in most cases, if you're using fertility awareness, um, you can use it with irregular quote unquote problematic cycles, right? You can use it with any kind of wherever your menstrual cycle happens to be. It might be a little bit more complicated. You might need more help from someone who is qualified in that method, but it's completely possible. Um, and so with the method I teach, um, again, it's called the Justice Method, and I was trained through Justice College, um, which is based in Canada. And their program is for the degree that you get is a holistic reproductive health practitioner. Um, it's a two-year program, and it is really intense. <laughs> mm -hmm. it's, like, it's definitely like a master's level um, program. Um, and I chose it because it was like, it was it seemed like the best option for what I needed at that time. I wanted something that was rigorous, that gave me like a good background in, you know, like an understanding of biology and, um, you know, the, the science end of things, as well as like a well-rounded perspective on the social, emotional, and spiritual aspects of, you know, of women, of people who have menstrual cycles, um, and kind of gave that really well-rounded education as well as had an eye towards, you know, how do you make this into like a viable business, right? How do you like become a practitioner who can operate in the world and how do you work with clients and just offered all of those. So the pro like the first, I think like third or half of the program is devoted to like, you know, um, theory. So, right. You're reading, you're doing a lot of reading, you're doing a lot of writing, you're thinking about like the social aspects, you're thinking about the science, you're like learning about hormonal pathways, you're learning how the menstrual cycle works, and then you're learning the intricacies of the method and how to teach it to other people. And then the second half, you work directly with clients under supervision of your main teacher. 
And that I think is so important and incredible because you get to like have, you know, take the knowledge you've earned, you've, you've, you know, earned and worked for, and then go out into the world and work with people and see what that does and see if, you know, if you can teach them, see if you can um, share things in a, in a, what's the word, like share things in a reliable way, share things in a helpful way, understand what it means to be in that client practitioner relationship. And then like go back to your, your trainer, your teacher and be like, this is what I did. Does this make sense? What do I do in this case? And so having that, you know, teacher student student relationship where it's like all these different levels is really important and incredible. Um, and my main teachers there were Geraldine Mattis, who's one of the founders of the Met- method. And then Jenny Koos, who is a Swedish educator doing amazing things. Um, if you want to look her up, it's Wolverine on Instagram. Uh-huh. Um, but uh-huh. I, really, I really love the program. And um, yeah, it was like, it was completely life-changing and it, it's all online. And that really worked for me where I was in my life at being self-paced and something I can do from home. Um, and it was, yeah, it was quite, it was quite the learning experience. I like, I learned a lot about myself. I learned a lot about, you know, the menstrual cycle again. Um, and just a lot, a lot of the history of like people who came before me, uh, the women who came before me, the men who came before me, who like set up the ability to teach this stuff and to like teach it in a way that's scientifically based but also leaves a lot of space for, you know, the magic of being a human, like the things that are also less tangible, but equally important. Absolutely. Absolutely. I was was wondering that when you were doing, um, when you were matriculating through your program, did you ever feel like, wow, I wish I would have learned this years ago? Or what was your experience like when you were kind of when you kind of had that first aha moment as far as this is amazing info and I gotta like shout it from the mountaintops because for me that happened I think I don't know my second or third week in my program my program was about um, eleven or so months I believe it took but I ended up taking like a year and a half because I had a lot going on in my life at the time. Um, I was working full time and and stuff like that. But anyway, um, did you have one of those moments when you were like, oh, my God, like this is just amazing info. And I got to tell everyone. Oh, absolutely. Definitely. And that happened like before I got there, but it definitely happened the whole time. Um, Yeah. Like the way I got here, I guess, like to back it up all the way back, um, I was in my early 20s and I wanted to go off the pill. Um, I was with, you know, I'd, I'd been with my partner for a while. We were not trying to have children. I just was curious about what my body was doing underneath the pill. And I like knew enough about it to know that it was like giving me a synthetic cycle. Like I wasn't having a real menstrual cycle because I was on the pill. And I was just curious about my body. I was like, you know, I moved to Southern California. I was getting involved in like some witchy shit. It's <laughs> like, let's see what's happening with me and the moon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And so from there, but I was like, I really don't want to get pregnant. So what are my options? And someone told me about the book, Taking Charge of Your Fertility by Tony Weschler, which is again, like the Bible of fertility awareness. Right. Um, and it blew my mind. Like it, I had that moment of like, holy shit, how didn't I know this before? Why hasn't anyone mentioned this to me? Like, I didn't know what ovulation was to be perfectly frank. Like I knew it was a thing that happened 
but I didn't know its relevance to my daily life. I didn't know like I could tell when ovulation happened in my menstrual cycle. I just thought like you could get pregnant at any moment, really. Like there was no way to tell and no one knew and it was all mystery down there. Exactly. Um, <laughs> but the fact is it wasn't and it's not. And it's just like no one had this thought to share this with us. At one point later on, because my mom had always been very anti the pill and was like, you should use a diaphragm. And so I did use a diaphragm. Um, but it gave me UTIs, but no one bothered to say this whole time, like, oh, have you heard about fertility awareness? And I, later on, my mom was like, oh, yeah, I knew about it. I was like, why didn't you, like, if someone had mentioned this to me, this sort of, like, I would have had a different perspective. Um, but it really fired me up. And somewhere along the line, during that initial wave of being like, okay, I want to, like, do something, but else besides the pill, I did find Justice. I was like, this is very cool. Very cool that this exists. I'm going to store this information away for later. And then I like, you know, kind of half-assed my way through <laughs> um, fertility awareness. Like I read Taking Charge of Your Fertility. I started to kind of understand the signs. And then I got really freaked out and was like, I'm going to mess this up. So I'm going to go on a copper IUD. I'm going to get the Paragard. Um, so I know I'll, I won't be having, I'll still be cycling normally, but I won't mess it up. <laughs> so I did that for a year, but I kept like learning more and, you know, listening to the podcast Fertility Friday um, by Lisa Hendrickson Jack, which was also a Justice graduate and all of that, like just like really expansive, really mind blowing, really like, oh my God, I have to start screaming from the rooftops like that, that all happened. Um, and that again was like where the consultant as a concept was born and then I was like, you know what? I really want to teach this and I really want to understand this in a deeper way. And I want to like, I don't want to, I want to have like a very deep understanding of how this method works and how I could share this with other people. Um, and that is like eventually what led me back to Justice and getting the IUD removed and being like, okay, let's do this thing. And yeah, I've been, <laughs> I have been now charting myself for how many years? Six years? Seven years? Wow, congratulations. Yeah, I think it's been that long. Yeah. Um, yeah. And to my knowledge, I've never been pregnant. So there you go. Which is never, never a thing you should base your choices on, just to say, because like I don't know why I haven't been pregnant. I've been careful. Um, my partners are really supportive and careful. And that's could that could be it. Um, but also you never know about your own fertility until you test it. So there's always a chance that just I'm not the most fertile one in the bunch. <laughs> but yeah, it's been working. It's been working for me and it's worked for all kinds of people and like including my clients, including other students, you know, all over the place. It's a highly reliable method once you understand how to use it. Absolutely. So I'm wondering, did you ever receive any kind of pushback? Because when I initially started telling people about fertility awareness, they were like, so you're talking about the rhythm method yeah. and you know that doesn't work. And that was like the second um, thought that I was um, combated with. Did you experience any of that? Yes. Lots of people would say to me, oh, you know what they call someone who uses the rhythm method, right? <laughs> like mom <laughs> it's a good joke um, 
But uh, yeah, it's that is a common misconception. And so when we're talking about fertility awareness, we do not mean the rhythm method. But the rhythm method and fertility awareness are both considered, quote unquote, natural birth control. So they're under the similar umbrella, but they're totally different things. Um, but yeah, I had a, I wouldn't say like pushback in so much as that, but that that misunderstanding is very prevalent where it's like, oh, you're just like counting days and then, you know, you're going to end up pregnant accidentally. And that is what does happen with the rhythm method. Um, but the difference is that the rhythm method is based on calendar calculations. So it's based on you know, the length of your longest menstrual cycle and the length of your shortest one, you do some math and that gives you the time when you're probably ovulating. Yeah. And that's, if anyone out there has a period tracking app and it tells you when you're ovulating and all you do is you tell it when your period started, that is the rhythm method. Um, and that is, I would say, not very reliable for preventing pregnancy because while your period might arrive about the same time you know, month after month, ovulation doesn't always happen on the same day or at the same time. And it can, it definitely is known to move around. And if you're not paying attention to the signs of ovulation, again, cervical mucus being the main one, you can absolutely end up pregnant at a time that you didn't think you could get pregnant because ovulation can happen really early. Ovulation can happen really late. Um, it can happen very close to your period sometimes, which is why people end up pregnant on their periods. Um, it can, it can change cycle to cycle. And the difference with, again, I can really only speak for justice as the one I know the best, but I'm, you know, the difference with most fertility awareness methods is we are tracking changes daily. So you are checking in with what's happening at your vulva, at your cervix daily and using that information to inform your choices at that time. So it's not a prediction. There's no predicting it's about like what is actually happening in this moment. And that is fundamentally different than the rhythm method, which is all based on prediction. Absolutely. That is the best explanation I have heard to date. So thank you so much for that. I would be interested to know, what is one of the first things that you hear when you are working with a new client, when you are telling them about either body literacy or fertility awareness method being an option? What are one of the first things that a client tells you? It's a good question. I think for most people, it's both, it's like, it's this feeling, again, I think most of us have where you're like, on fire with this information. You're like, your mind is blown. It's expanded. You're so excited. You didn't know you could like know these things about your body. And then it's coupled with like crippling fear. <laughs> oh my God. I want to do this. This sounds so cool and amazing, but I don't think I'm capable of doing it. I think I'm going to mess it up and I think I'm going to get pregnant. And I'm going to die. And <laughs> right. those are like very understandable feelings. Um, but I think a lot of people start in that place. Um, one of my clients from a while ago, she, I can't remember how she heard about fertility. I think she heard it on a, me. She actually heard me on a different podcast a while ago. And mm -hmm. was like, this sounds very interesting, but also I think it's bullshit. <laughs> like, fertility awareness thing. I don't think it's, I don't think it actually works. I'm highly skeptical, but I'm also intrigued. And right. 
she like, and I was like, I mean, that's fine. I'll, I'll show you, like, I'll teach you how to do it. And, you know, you don't have to use it. And, you know, we can talk about it. And she became like a real avid user of fertility awareness after like understanding, you know, the biology, the science behind it, what you're looking for and how to see those things, how to write it all down and how to interpret it and was able to use it reliably as a method of birth control, having been, been someone who was like, I think this is ludicrous, like no way this works. And, you know, <laughs> work for her. Um, but I think a lot of us are just scared because we've been told our whole lives, really, that one, you know, you can get pregnant anytime. Two, you're too irresponsible with your body, especially like, you know, people have been socialized as women. Those of us have been raised as women. We've been told that we are highly irresponsible with our sexualities and our bodies. And uh -huh. therefore, we could never be in charge of, you know, we can never reliably understand that and, you know, use that information to our own advantage. So, I think it's, it's, yeah, usually it's people being like, I'm really excited. Also, I'm really scared and I don't know if I can do this and I'm really overwhelmed by all of it. But it's just like, it's like driving a car. I think that's like one of the best analogies I like to use about fertility awareness is, and for, you know, if you don't drive a car, it's not useful. But for those of us who do drive, right? Like when you first learned how to drive, it was super overwhelming and terrifying. And you're clutching the wheel and you're like going super slow. I mean, maybe not everyone, but at least in my experience, you're like checking all the mirrors. You're like, you know, your, your, your nose is to the steering wheel. You're like making perfect turns. You like, you miss things. You're like forgetting to use a turn signal. Maybe you have your high beams on, right? It's really stressful. But over time, you you know, you you do it daily. You do it more and more. You become more and more comfortable with it to the point where we start like eating and applying makeup and texting while driving, which are not things we should be doing. But you get to exactly. a certain level of like comfort with it where you're like, I can do other things. I can multitask. And mm -hmm. I think fertility awareness is like a very similar path where it starts out really scary and overwhelming and you think you're going to die. And you think this, I couldn't possibly do this thing. But, you know, with not that much time, I'd say like within a year for most people using the method, you will find it to be very easy to use and like something that just becomes an easy daily part of your life. And it doesn't mean that it's like, it, it doesn't mean that it's not hard and it doesn't mean that it's super convenient, right? Like it's not, it's not the most convenient path um, when it comes to birth control methods, right? Like there are more convenient things, but I think you get a lot more out of it because again, you get to have a different level of relationship with your body that is not offered to you if you're using the pill. Um, and if you know, if you're if you're not using the pill, let's say you've never used the pill, that's not a thing you want to use. You've just used condoms. Condoms are great. I love condoms. But using fertility awareness, you actually have more choice in a way of like the kind of sex you're gonna be having and what that means. And so you actually know now, like, okay, if I have sex on this day, I have a there's a possibility of me becoming pregnant because I'm seeing cervical mucus or what have you. I then know if I have a certain kind of sex, it raises my chances of pregnancy. If I don't want to get pregnant, I then have information at my disposal to say, we're going to do a different kind of sex. We're going to do stuff. We're going to do mouth stuff, whatever it is, or we're going to watch a movie, whatever, whatever it is. Right. But it gives you, it gives you, more information which which lets you make better decisions 
Absolutely. So being that you use the driving analogy, um, some of us, you know, might have learned from our parents or might have gone to, you know, an after school program to learn um, through a driving instructor. Can you give me a couple benefits to learning fertility awareness with um, someone that has a certification versus, you know, getting the books and trying to teach yourself? I love that you did that. Thank you for picking up the obvious next step in the analogy. <laughs> I haven't even thought about that, but you're totally right. Yeah, I think you I mean, you could self-teach yourself to drive. That is definitely an option. I don't think most people take that option, but usually if someone else teach you, right? Um, you So yeah, I think it, it all goes back to like, it depends on the person. And so mm-hmm. some people, again, if you are one of those lucky people who have really easy, clear menstrual cycles, you could definitely learn from a book, especially if you're like someone who learns really well from books um, and you have like really clear signs. I mean, by all means, try to self-teach. Um, there's nothing, there's not necessarily anything wrong with it, but where it becomes really helpful to have an educator is especially with that initial fear portion. So there's, there's so many reasons. One, like having someone guide you through it and explain what you're seeing. Um, so, you know, you'll, you'll start charting Maybe you'll see a lot of mucus. Maybe you won't see any mucus. Maybe your period comes once and then you don't see it again for another six months. So there can be all kinds of things that happen. And having someone who is like trained to understand like what's going on and help you navigate it immediately boosts your confidence and your ability to use the method in accordance with the goal you're trying to achieve. So I think working with an educator helps you, helps like alleviate the fear and also the confusion. And so if it's you really want to stick with long-term, it's really, I think it's really important to work with someone because they'll help you like understand and get past a lot of those initial roadblocks that people come to, such as like, I'm afraid I'm going to mess it up or I don't understand what I'm seeing or um, my menstrual cycle isn't regular or any of these things. And that often stops people from carrying on because they're like, I don't, I don't know what to do now. Like, I, I don't understand. So dispelling the fear and helping you understand what you're seeing and then also making sure that you're using the method appropriately because, you know, when you're first learning anything, you could interpret a rule or, you know, a notation a certain way of like, oh, well, this, this means that this is a, an infertile day when in fact it's a fertile day or, you know, just understanding some of those intricacies um, when you're first getting started. Right. For example, real quick. Oh, I have a little bit of cervical mucus. (laughs) It's a think that that might mean that you are a little there's no such thing as being a little bit fertile. You're either fertile or you're not. And I think knowing and having an educator can definitely help, you know, in that process. Absolutely. And like understanding, is this cervical mucus? Is this vaginal cell sloth? Is this arousal fluid? Like what is happening? Or why, why do I keep um, seeing mucus at this part of my cycle? Like I thought I ovulated. Am I ovulating twice? What's going on with my temperature? And so all those things are really helpful to have someone walk you through. And then additionally, um, as a holistic reproductive health practitioner, so we, we have like two roles. One is to like teach you how to use this, the justice method for whatever it is you're trying to achieve, be that avoid pregnancy, achieve pregnancy, or just learn your body better. And then second, it's to help you improve the health of your menstrual cycle. So 
my scope is very limited, but I can see through someone's cycle what might on what underlying issues might be at play. So oh. if if you come to me and we're like looking at your cycle and you're not ovulating, I'm probably going to refer you to someone to help you like do a little bit more testing and maybe get some like other kinds of support that way. Mm-hmm. That's like a really crucial piece of information to have. Likewise, if you're seeing if you're not seeing a temperature shift or you're seeing a really really low basal body temperatures every cycle, that might it could be many things, but it could be iron deficiency. It could also be like an underlying thyroid condition. Um, if you're seeing cervical mucus or if you're seeing some kind of mucus, some kind of discharge every single day, that could mean you have some kind of allergic reaction happening. That could mean that you have, it might be an infection, but it, it could just be like you're allergic to dairy. That can absolutely be a thing that happens or, you know, early signs of cervical dysplasia, all kinds of things. So looking at we look at both like teaching you how to use the method and then also helping you assess the health of your cycle and help point you towards ways and resources to improve your health. And again, when you improve your when you improve your menstrual cycle, you improve your fertility. And when you improve your fertility, you improve your health. And this idea that fertility is just tied to like making babies is very limited. I, you know, obviously. <laughs> I'm problematic. And I mean, obviously, if you're trying to make a baby in your body, you need to be ovulating. You need to have like a fertile environment. Very, very important. But most of the time, we're not having babies. Like most of us are spending most of our time not making babies. But Mm -hmm. that doesn't mean that your menstrual cycle is obsolete. It just means like it's doing other things. So you're producing all like this huge amounts of hormones, specifically progesterone, um, estrogen, and some testosterone throughout your menstrual cycle. And those are important for all kinds of things beyond baby making. They're important for your bone health. They're important for your brain health, for your mood, for your skin, for um, how like how you perceive like different kinds of thinking um, throughout you know your cycle, like how your brain works changes. And all of these things are how your physiology is designed to work and support you. So the, the idea like health and fertility go hand in hand. And this, there is an idea that goes around now where doctors will say, you don't need to have a, a menstrual cycle if you're not trying to have a baby. So they go on the pill, go on a hormonal IUD, suppress your period until you want to have a baby and then go off of it, have a baby and then go back on it. Because why have this nuisance every month, every cycle, um, if you're not trying to have a baby? And that I think is so problematic um, (laughs) for so many different reasons. One of them being that there are real health consequences to that. And like I already mentioned, like we know that, you know, there's mineral depletions that happen from the pill. We also know that it can increase, like I said, depression and anxiety. And then likewise, depending on if you have an underlying issue with your cycle, which, you know, causes you to go on the pill, like again, let's say it's pain. Um, but you never address what that underlying issue is. Once you go off, that pain will still be there. And people come back, like people get pregnant all the time after coming off synthetic birth control or synthetic hormones and hormonal birth control. All the time, people get pregnant while they're on it. So I'm not saying that's not the case, but the idea, like if you go on the pill at 16 and then you come off of it at 36 and you try to get pregnant right away, that is often not how it works. And that's because like, you've been, your, your body hasn't been ovulating. 
you haven't, your endocrine system hasn't been fully functioning for, you know, half of your life. And it takes a minute for it to kick back on for it to like everything to like start working as appropriate and designed. And then you're a little bit older and your body is like starting to think about, well, maybe we should wind it down. I mean, at 36, I would be kind of early to go into perimenopause, but we do have a, you know, there is a time limit on how long we remain fertile if you have, you know, uterus and ovaries. And sometimes that takes a really long time or it doesn't happen right away or it doesn't happen at all. Or you have to like go through IVF or something like that in order to get pregnant. And it's good to like have those as options, but that can be really expensive. And again, I feel like this is another part of like the informed consent that is often left out that some people get pregnant right away and have super healthy pregnancies coming off the pill after being on it for a number of years. And some people don't. And some people go on the pill for a long period of time and come off of it and maybe they get pregnant right away but they end up miscarrying. And that is also very common. And I think it's, you know, it's not your fault if any of those things happen. It is just a thing that happens and it's super shitty, but it's something to be aware of. Like for those of you who are listening and thinking about like, I want to have a baby sometime in the next few years, but I'm currently on hormonal birth control. I do always encourage people to get off hormonal birth control sooner rather than later if you're thinking about getting pregnant because you just don't know how things are going to be. And you could be totally fine. It might not be an issue at all, but you know, it's setting yourself up for success as soon as you possibly can. I I think it's a prudent choice. Absolutely. So I think I'm ready to sort of switch gears for the last time and kind of focus on the wider concept behind consultant. So I wanted to kind of talk about how in this day and age, there has been a shift or have you noticed there's been a shift to kind of underscore the importance of the female orgasm and advocating for the female orgasm? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, Yeah, I mean, I think throughout my lifetime, people have been much more interested in female orgasm and being like, this is a thing that's important in the orgasm gap. Um, So I don't always counsel people directly. Like, I wouldn't say I'm like a adult sex educator exactly. Um, Mm -hmm. But it's definitely connected. Um, And yeah, I think we should all be having more orgasms. I think what this makes me think about is why people aren't like why women in particular aren't having like as many orgasms as men, right? Usually that's how it's set up. Like the idea of orgasm gap or the pleasure gap. And I think it's a really interesting question and something that's worth exploring. Um, one of my favorite books on this subject is come as you are by Emily. Mm, Love that book. Such a good book. And I love that book because one, it's very sciencey, but also like very relevant. And she talks a lot about how typically speaking, right? Men and women, cis men and women in broad strokes have different like responses to sex and they're just different and doesn't make one better or worse than the other. They're just different. And so the idea of like spontaneous arousal is typically more common seen with men. So that's like, you just like get horny and you want to have sex versus responsive arousal, which is more typically seen with women, but not necessarily exclusively where mm-hmm. you're 
you want to have sex like kind of once sex is already happening, not to say like coercive or anything, but it's like you become someone's like, hey, here's would you like to have some sex? Here's like a sexy situation or a situation that like could lead to sex. Then you might be more interested in sex, but it's not that spontaneous thing. It's like you need to be in response to like other sexual stimuli. Right. Kind of primed as opposed to dun da da da. Yeah. <laughs> it's like bam, here it is. No, that's not it. And so that's part of it, just like getting interested in sex at first. And then secondarily, it can often everyone's body is different, really. Like every, everyone's sexual response is different. But generally speaking, when it comes to, you know, entertaining a vulva and a vagina, um, you need to give that clitoris a lot of attention and you need to have like time and um, time and attention paid to it. Like it takes a lot more time to fully arouse the vaginal tissue than it does to fully arouse the penis. And that can take like any, like 20 to 40 minutes to be fully aroused. And it's super important for a bunch of different reasons. One, pleasure, right? Like pleasure is super important. Number one thing, it feels good. You want to feel as good as possible. Um, and if like, even if it's not orgasm being the goal, even if it's just to like feel good, the more time is spent there, the better it'll feel. And then secondly, it's also like a health and safety issue. If you're not fully aroused, you can become injured during sex. You know, you can like have tearing or um, bruising or just like different levels of discomfort during sex. Um, there's all kinds of like part of the arousal, like all the blood flow that comes to the area. Part of it is like lengthening the vaginal canal and moving the cervix up a little bit so it gets kind of out of the way. Um, that's really important for preserving your poor little cervix from getting too battered. Um, again, anatomy depending. Um, so I, th I think like more attention being paid and like taking the time as much as you can to like have sex, um, and have pleasurable sex, whatever kind of sex you are having. Lube is really important, but you know, I think the more you can do to arouse the tissue, the better. Um, it also makes me think about this is, I think is a little off from what you were thinking, what you were asking, but the idea of um, medications for female arousal dysfunction mm -hmm, mm -hmm. is something I think about a lot. And it's not, there's definitely, there are, there are real cases where people have like issues, like dysfunction, like sexual dysfunction with arousal where like you want to be having sex and you like feel kind of sexy or you're feeling sexy, whatever, but your body is just not responding. And right. can't get there, which is all. And then there's also the issue of like, you have no interest in sex whatsoever. You want to have interest in sex perhaps, but it's just not there. And, you know, that's why we have erectile dysfunction medication, right? So it's something that can just pop a boner, but it's, it's, it's a little bit more complicated when it comes to, you know, our anatomy. Um, and it also makes me wonder secondarily, like, why aren't you interested in sex? And in some cases it is just like there is a chemical imbalance happening. But I think ask if, if, if part of the question, like this isn't exactly what you asked, but what it makes me think is like, why aren't you interested in sex? And why aren't you having good sex? And why aren't you having as much pleasure as you were hoping to have? Like what's, what, what, what is it? Like what's the why behind it? 
Right. And that I think is a really important conversation and a hard conversation because in some cases it's like, I don't want to have the sex that's being offered to me for whatever reason. You might, you might be less interested in a long-term relationship. And there's like some studies that show that women in particular get a little less interested in their long-term partners, which I think we always thought like, Oh, it's men, but you know, women get bored too. And you know, like there's all these arguments for like polyamory or open relationships or non-monogamy. And that could be part of it. It could also be like, you're not getting your needs met with the sex you're having, or you're in pain. And like, you know, pain during sex is a reality that a lot of us face, um, you know, either chronically or temporarily. And those are not like, again, this is exactly the orgasms, but it makes me think about all those things. So like, why aren't you interested in sex or why aren't you orgasming? And it could be like your partner is trash, um, but uh-huh. not always, yeah. right? I mean, <laughs> they can be like as attentive or like really wanting to please you, but maybe they don't know how to. Um, and maybe you don't know what you want. And that's, you know, like, I would say like room for like fun explorations. And right. Yeah. 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 So I'm interested to know if you would like to share maybe one or two instances where um, working in the space of sex health or in the space of reproductive health that you've had any kind of interesting collaborations. Like, um, have you gotten to work with any cool companies or um, if you wanted to share anything about um, working with O-Nut or what that had entailed, um, is there anything like that that you would like to share? Yes. Well, I love this question. Um, no, I've been able to meet like all kinds of very cool people like yourself and <laughs> all kinds of like really amazing educators and practitioners, like doing all kinds of great work in the field. Um, but since you mentioned Onut, I can also mention Onut. Um, so I've been working with them now for like almost three years. Um, and for those of you who don't know, Onut is an intimate wearable that helps um, customize the depth of penetration. So it's wow. <laughs> it's designed specifically for people who have um, pain with deeper penetration. So it goes on the penis or whatever you're inserting. So like a dildo, a dilator, a toy, or a penis, whatever you're putting into the vagina, it goes on that, and it just limits how much of that goes inside the vagina. Um, and so if you're someone who like, you know, that feeling of like getting your cervix punched, which is not enjoyable. If you experience that or just at a certain point, like sex gets too deep and it hurts, Onut can be really useful for you. And most people assume that it's, you know, oh, well, he just has a big dick. His dick is too big. Um, That can be part of it. (laughs) That can absolutely be part of it. But it's not the main reason. Like there's all kinds of reasons that sex could be painful. Um, You know, endometriosis is one of them. You know, if you're your anatomy, something might just be up there, something or your anatomy versus your partner anatomy is not is having some compatibility issues, perhaps, or, you know, you have like some kind of misalignment, maybe you have, you know, you're recovering post surgery, post hysterectomy, post cancer treatment, postpartum, um, maybe you have like bladder issues, there can be all kinds of things, fibroids, like all kinds of different things going on in the pelvis that cause sex to be painful. 
And we love, and I love um, pelvic floor physical therapists for this. Like they're so helpful and useful. Um, but a, the, the statistic that we have is like 75% of women will experience painful sex at some point in their lives. And like I said, sometimes that's chronic and sometimes it's temporary. And I know like I've definitely had painful sex, not all the time, but certain times of the month, perhaps it's a little bit more uncomfortable or just like certain positions or what have you. And then there are people who's like, every time I have sex, it hurts. And that is really awful and you know, unacceptable. And being able to like talk about that with your partner is so important and so hard. And I just, if anyone like, if this, if anyone listening to this really relates to it, I would definitely suggest seeking out the help of a pelvic floor physical therapist or similar to just like get an assessment and figure out what might be going on. Um, there's all this ideas, right. About like having like a really tight vagina is like what everyone wants. But if you have a really tight pelvic floor, that actually leads to more pain during sex often. Like you don't want things to be too tight. Um, and yeah, I think that's like, it's a really important thing to talk about if you're experiencing it. And the other thing that I love about Ona again, so it's like interlocking rings. Like they look like really spongy cock rings, but they're not cock rings. They, but they have that same look. They're designed to stretch and be super comfortable. Um, but what I love is that it's collaborative. And this is also a thing I love about fertility awareness, just to like bring it all back together. So when it comes to, you know, if you're having sex and it's painful, it is a problem for both you and your partner because hopefully your partner doesn't want to hurt you and you're in pain and you're not able to have like the sex that you both want to be having. So Again, Ona is saying like, all right, we're going to put it on one, one partner is going to wear it and it's going to help the other partner. And that I think is so important because often in like a heterosexual dynamic, if the woman is the one having the problem, she also has to solve it. And so this idea, like when it comes back to birth control, it's like, well, you're the one who can get pregnant. So like, therefore you have to like be fully responsible for birth control and contraception and bear like basically the full brunt of it in most cases, including like mood swings and depression and loss of libido and weight gain because you're on the pill because we don't want to get pregnant versus how can we collaborate on this? And Onut says, hey, this isn't going to go in the vagina. This has nothing to do with the vagina, actually. It goes or, you know, the anus wherever. You can use it for any kind of any kind of penetrative sex. It doesn't have to just be vaginal. Um, but it says like it's it's the person penetrating is going to wear it. And I love that because it is so collaborative. And the same thing with like fertility awareness, it is a collaborative method. It only works as well as both people, you know, work it. So one, if you're the one with the menstrual cycle and you're keeping track of your cervical mucus, you have to understand what's happening in your body. So you understand where your cycle is at and then, you know, relay that information to your partner. And they also have to be participatory in avoiding pregnancy in this case, right? They have to say like, I will wear a condom or I will use withdrawal effectively or we will coordinate on what we are doing to keep sperm out of the vagina or we're not going to even have any kind of penetrative penis and vagina sex. We're going to do this other thing because we're both committed to this outcome and we're both serving this outcome through our actions. And I love that. And I think it puts like power back in both people's hands and makes the sharing of birth control a little bit more equitable. And it really depends on your, the quality of your partner, right? Like not everyone is... Um, as supportive, but hopefully, you know, your partner is really on board with that and really supportive in your shared goal of having sex that you enjoy, of having like active, like 
fully functioning hormonal systems and like juicy sexual expression and avoiding pregnancy together. And I think that really, it's like, it is a great deal of self-responsibility. Um, but I, 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 again, it's not for everyone, but for the people who do want to do this, I think it can be like very powerful. I agree. I agree. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so my who do you think is the ideal person to learn fertility awareness or what age would you say that this is appropriate for a pubescent girl or is it better applied to um, a young woman who is about to matriculate through university? So which group or would you say that anyone can learn fam, but as far as how you apply it can be taught differently? Yeah, I think it's kind of more the latter. I think this information okay. is useful for literally everyone. It's best if you have a menstrual cycle, right? It's going to be most useful to your everyday life. But I think everyone should learn this. Like, I think women should learn it, men should learn it, boys should learn it, girls should learn it. Non-binary, you never want to have anything to do with your genitals, whatever. Not that that's a gender identity, but whoever, right? All human beings should understand how the menstrual cycle works and I mean, how their own fertility unfolds. It's just what you do with it is, um, yeah, a different conversation. So I think, you know, a lot of people are like, we really need to teach this to like people who are, you know, young girls, people who are just getting their menstrual cycles or just starting their periods. I think that's really important. Um, but whether or not that's the birth control method for you, I think is a high, again, a highly personal choice. Um, but I think the information is valid for everyone and extremely useful. Um, but when deciding, yeah, I think like if you're, if you're thinking about like, okay, is this a good method for me for birth control specifically? Um, I would, you know, do a little bit of soul searching and say like, okay, like, am I really committed to like doing, to like checking in on my cervical mucus every day to writing it down, to paying attention to what's happening to my body and responding accordingly? Um, do I feel like I have space in my life to like learn this method and like, you know, it, it doesn't take much time every day, but you know, am I in a place where I feel like I can devote time to understanding my body and interpreting that information and sharing it with a partner? Is my partner supportive? Do I feel like I'm in a safe relationship where I could say to someone like, hey, I'm going off of this or I want to use this method of birth control and they're fully on board with it and they'll fully support you in that. Um, and th those, I think, are like some of the main conversations to like have with yourself to understand. I think everyone, when you start having any kind of potentially fertilizing sex, you should always like at least have a check in with yourself and maybe your partner about if I got pregnant, what would I do? What do I think I'd want to do? Um, have, you know, that can always change, right? Like oftentimes once we're in a situation, we might feel differently. But, you know, understanding like, okay, if I was accidentally get pregnant, what would I do then? Um, knowing that can happen with any method. I would say, though, I think teenagers can absolutely use fertility awareness for birth control if they want to. It's just a matter of, like, how dedicated do you feel you could be to this? And you can come to it really at any age. Like, I have a lot of clients who are in their 30s and 40s, um, as well as, like, people in their early 20s. So it's – I don't think you're ever, like, really – too late to learn this. It just depends on, you know, if you're, if you're in menopause, it might not be as relevant to you anymore, but it might explain a lot of things throughout your life and it could still be useful in that way. Right. 
Absolutely. So before we end this episode, which I think has been absolutely amazing, can you let the, my audience know where they can find you on social media or the internet? Because you are always doing something so amazing and cool. And you also do things that are in person when it's safe to do so or before or pre-COVID times. Um, so if you can let people know where to find you, that would be amazing. Awesome. Uh, yeah. So you can find me on Instagram at the cunt sultant, but it is spelled with a V. So it looks like the cavunt sultant. Um, they just, the U in cunt is replaced with a V. Um, so the cunt sultant, um, on TikTok, which I'm barely using, it's the cunt sultant spelled just as it is. And you can find me online at the You can also shoot me an email at V at the Amazing. Well, thank you so much for your time. I have been looking forward to this um, recording for quite some time, and it was so worth it. You shared so much information and insights, and I feel like this is a conversation that we will probably need to revisit at some point if you're open to it. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me, Tasha. Again, I agree. We've been wanting to do this for so long. I'm so glad to be on your podcast and chatting with you. We really talked a lot. Um, (laughs) This is so great. It's always great to like chat with you. And thank you so much for having me share with your community. Absolutely. Well, everyone, this has been another episode of Womanhood Decoded, and I am your host, Tasha Ray. And so for this week, I would like to say peace, love, happiness, and why don't you go and have yourself some great sex this week? Until next time.